Hello listeners, Yamina here. Welcome to the Dr. GPCR podcast. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few announcements to make. We are working on a new program geared towards transitioning from academia to industry. Powered by Dr. GPCR, our new program is called Life Career Job. The goal is to support you in your efforts to find your next job in industry, plan out your career trajectory, create a life and support the lifestyle that works for you. If you'd like to be notified when this program becomes available, fill out our short survey at lifecareerjob.com. This new ecosystem will also include a new podcast that we'll be launching in September 2021. Our guests will be scientists, recruiters, and hiring managers, and everything in between. We want to help PhDs find their ideal career path and inspire you with real-life stories. The second edition of the Dr. GPCR Summit will be held from September 13 to 19, 2021. We are planning a combination of live talks, pre-recorded talks, and live workshops. We have a great lineup of live talk speakers, including Dr. Brian Roth, Dr. Patrick Sexton, and Dr. Jurgen Weiss. Also, we are happy to announce that we'll have a live Q&A session with Dr. Bob Lefkowitz and Dr. Randy Hall to talk about GPCR's science and Dr. Lefkowitz's memoir. Visit drgpcr.com summit today to see the full program. We're also launching our GPCR consulting services. You'll soon be able to find the profiles of our carefully selected consultants on our website at drgpcr.com consulting. You'll be able to find the help you need for your company. Stay tuned. Are you subscribed to our YouTube channel? If not, please subscribe today. It's not only a great way to catch up on our recorded events, such as the Dr. GPCR Virtual Cafe, but it's also a great way to support Dr. GPCR. And now, let's dive into this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Yamina from Dr. GPCR. I'm very excited today to have with me three, not one, three guests, uh, three ad genies, Mike, Jason, and Nyla. Welcome. Hey, nice to see you. Thanks for having us. I'm so happy that you were able to join us today, um, especially uh, as a follow-up discussion to last week's a, a dis- um, presentation from, from Joanne about Ad Gene at the Dr. GPCR Virtual Cafe. And this is a great occasion for us to get to know you as scientists better, but get to know you as people who work at Ad Gene better. So let's start with some introductions. And I am going to pick Mike, who's at my left on the screen and then Mike you get to pick uh, who, who goes next. Sounds like a plan yeah um, hello my name is Mike Lemieux and I serve as manager of Agene's scientific support team. Nyla take it away. <laughs> Hi yep I'm Nyla uh, I'm also on the scientific support team here. Hi I'm Jason and I am also on the scientific support team and I also work with um, Barbo Vectors and with the outreach team here at Agene. That's fantastic. So um, you're all in the support uh, team, but you're also all scientists. You're also uh, all PhDs. Yep, we're all senior and, scientists. Which is fantastic. And um, when when you think about adgene in general, you think about, you know, going on a website, you find your plasmid and do 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 and there you go. And at some point, something gets in the mail and you have your plasmid. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your backgrounds? And then about your everyday roles at AdGene. And let's start with you, Nyla. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, I got my PhD at the University of Pittsburgh in the GPCR field. Uh, you know, my thesis was basically on cyclic AMP dynamics, uh, looking at the thyroid stimulating hormone receptor. So, kind of love those <laughs> <from> <laughs> GPCRs. And, you know, while doing that, um, you know, I used a lot of optogen- optogenetics, uh, biosensors, and um, just all the other downstream, you know, interesting tools that the GPCR field has. Um, went and did a postdoc at the University of Vermont, and um, all, it was mostly on cellular migration, but sort of had a, um, overlapped with a little bit of GPCR work. Of course. And then uh, came over to AdGene, starting on as a senior scientist here. Uh, yeah, That's and great. I joined AdGene uh, January 2020, so just before everything shut down. <laughs> Yeah, before or the, we, the world, not that, Jean, <laughs> Well, yeah, we were before we we pressed record. We were just talking about working from home, so I guess you barely got to see physically your coworkers, and then it got shut down. And Pretty much, been um, but I get to see everyone virtually, so it works out. 
I think I think so too. Someone uh, told me once that we're not socially distant; we're physically distant, but we're sh- socially closer than ever. So, Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi. So, um, I got my PhD in neuroscience from Ohio State University, um, and I part of, part of my thesis I did receptor work with um, adrenergic receptors. So, we were looking at how norepinephrine or noradrenaline, depending on how you want to call it, um, modulates synaptic transmission both presynaptically and postsynaptically. Um, so that was a, a lot of fun to see. I did a lot of electrophysiology, so we got to see like in real time when these changes are actually happening in slice physiology. So it was really interesting to see. Um, so I took a really non-traditional path in in my education. So I did. Uh, I finished my bachelor's, and then I, I worked in just kind of uh, some state level work and then I went back and I got a master's and I decided I wanted to go work in industry. So I worked for um, uh, GlaxoSmithKline for a couple of years and I really enjoyed that work. And then I decided that I didn't really have the kind of upward mobility that I wanted as a scientist working um, kind of at a master's level in a big pharma company. So I went back to school. Um, I got both my master's and my PhD at Ohio State and finished my PhD. And then I did a couple of postdocs trying to look into different fields of academia. And I finally decided that uh, I think my career path going forward would be better kind of outside of academia, but still having my hands a lot in science. And so Adgene produced, uh, it, was a, it was a great opportunity because I get to stay really involved with the science. Um, you know, the, the questions that we get from the users of our, of our viral vectors is really challenging um and so I'm, I'm constantly reading i'm constantly learning and it's a it's a it's a really great place i think so it's a great intersection between you know doing the science but also having that human connection absolutely that's that's fantastic and mike how about you oh, i think mike froze uh-oh, hopefully you'll come in soon. That's okay. We can we can wait for him to to unfreeze. He looks like he's really paying attention and listening <laughs> yeah. to us. It's a nice it's a nice uh, image to freeze on. Honestly, once you get to know Mike, he needs no introduction. He's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, looks like his audio is coming in a little bit here. Oh, there, there we go. go. I'm so sorry for that technical difficulty. <laughs> How much of that did you catch? <laughs> um, well, Please not much, yourself. but you know, we were you you froze in a position that looked like you're really intently listening, oh. so it's, it was perfect. Um, we we were talking start again. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, and again, sorry for the the technical difficulties of the Zoom world we're in right now. But um, yeah, I, I completed my PhD um, basically studying cellular motility. Um, in the model organism Dictyostelium discoidium, which, if you've not heard of it, is a little soil amoeba. Um, and the thing that I absolutely adore about it is that you just cannot kill these cells. Like, <laughs> mammalian cells are super finicky and require the most stringent growth conditions, or they all die. You can literally grow Dicti, Dictyostelium on your bench top, feed it once a week, and it, 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 nothing kills it except direct sunlight. Go figure. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I did a lot of work on cell motility in the um, actin cytoskeleton, and I did not do any postdoc work, but like Jason, my path through um, my PhD was a bit non-traditional. I learned about midway through that the academic track probably was not going to be for me. Um, I wasn't really up for scrapping for grant money and fighting for the the associate professorship and tenure and all that. So I took it upon myself to find some industrial internships. um, And I completed one with Pfizer as part of their summer student worker program. Loved that experience. Uh, And it further reinforced the fact that I did not want to do bench work um, for for the remainder of my career. And so um, it really kind of helped steer me in the direction that I ultimately ended up going. Um, Started doing more networking, professional development, met the executive director of Agene, Joanne Kamins, um, at a big ASCB meeting, which Mm -hmm. ultimately facilitated my, my path to the organization. That's great. Thank you for that. I, and you, all three of you touched on, on important points. One being that you all went through a PhD or are, you're all scientists, you're all savvy, but you also thought about what you liked and what you didn't like in your scientific everyday work. 
and based on that, knowing yourselves and knowing what, what those were, you really went and chose a career path that was tailored to your personality, to your lifestyle that you were looking for. And that's, those are, they seem true. Those things seem trivial, but they're actually very important. And I think uh, a lot of PhDs and a lot of postdocs can appreciate the, this, the, the self, the, you know, the, the self-discovery and figuring out what is it that you want to do. And I think that's that's a really important point to, to highlight is that whenever you're you're a PhD or you're a postdoc in academia, there are other ways that you can work as a scientist. There are other ways uh, that you can use your brain. You can still interact with people, be a scientist every day, other than going for a professorship, other than working in the lab. I think that you hit on a really really good point there. You know, I going into my my PhD program. For me, there, there, there were two career paths. There was academia and industry, and I didn't really understand much more about even what those two main paths entailed, let alone options that didn't necessarily fit into either one of those. Um, and just being at Adgene, you know, we, we place such a strong emphasis on professional development here and mm-hmm. education here that I've learned more about what I can do professionally since I've come to Adgene and I learned in my entire school-based life beforehand. So that's, that's fantastic. And uh, you, you, I, I like what, what you were saying because so last week we had the, uh, the live um, talk by Joanne and she touched on a very important point as well is that Adgene's website is not just an interface for scientists to go purchase or deposit plasmids, but there is a lot of effort put into education and there are a lot of resources on Adjean's website, which I didn't know, to be honest, until Joanne pointed it out. So I think that's that's a nice nice way to, to tell the audience at this point, if they have a chance, just go on Adjean, Adjean's website. Oh, we have uh, someone joining us, so I'm gonna let them in. <laughs> sure. On Adjean's website and uh, get to learn more about the uh, the different uh, resources that that Adgene has to offer. So yeah. here's my next question. Please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's one of the most common things we get, and even for myself, um, like I previously ordered plasmids. I saw some of their educational content, but I had no idea the like wealth of resources they had, the it, like details it goes into, and then of course with our like scientific support team, like the level of technical ex- like expertise that they offer mm-hmm. has really been really cool. Very fantastic. That's that's great. Please, uh, that that takes us actually to the next to my next question. You had all different paths. You you know had master degrees, went to industry, came back and forth. What? Why did you pick Adgene? What what makes Adgene different? Um, I can go ahead and start with that. Uh, I think one of the things that made it really stand out um, was. Uh, you know, every company has a mission statement, something that they're striving for or something like this. Um, Adgene, you know, after interviewing everyone and talking to everyone, like everyone was really in, like authentically invested in that mission. And I think that's what really made it stand out. Um, you know, it's really been a, it's been a great pioneer in sort of like open science or reproducible science. If you've ever ordered plasmids from us, it's um, versus, you know, requesting it from, a professor, like you sort of notice the difference or the ease that goes into it. Um, and you also have that guarantee of, you know, if something goes wrong, you can, you have someone you can write to who will, you know, answer their email. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that mission statement was just very like authentically embraced by everyone here. That's, that's, that's great. I did order plasmids from, from Adjin and it was, I, I, it was seamless to the point that I don't even remember anything other than I ordered them, they grew, I was able to clone whatever I needed into it and my work was done. It was really, really seamless. So I think at that point, that's, that, that was the whole point of, of putting the work into, into the efforts that you, you, you do every day. Exactly. The, the review we, we hope to hear is seamless <laughs> and not memorable. That's probably a good thing. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I never left the review, but I think I'm going to go back and, and, and leave a review. On those. <laughs> Thanks. All right. I'll, I'll tag. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nyla. Who are you going to tag? I was just going to tag Jason. So go for it. Yeah. So uh, actually, jo- Joanna's what initially drew me towards that. You know, I, I had ordered plasmids through when I was doing my graduate research work and you know, trying to build an AAV vector. And that was great. Um, but when I was doing a postdoc, um, Joanne came and gave a talk to our postdoc group. 
And just uh, the way that she described her kind of philosophy on work and philosophy and careers and how you can kind of jump and change around and how, you know, at Adgene, that's something that they actually, you know, strive to do is to help help people be them best, their best selves, no matter what it is they're doing, even if, you know, that career path takes them away from Adgene, which I also find was kind of shocking to hear from a CEO. I was like, well, if you want to go somewhere, okay, fine, we'll help you get there. Um, so it, the, the environment is just really fantastic. And, you know, the, the mission of, of trying to, to, to help scientists be open and to openly share resources and to provide, you know, a context of help as much as possible. And in, in that sense of being open is just, is something that I think would be, it's great for the entire community, but, and we say that we want that, but a lot of scientists don't actively go towards that. And so yeah. I think Adjean provides a great resource to do that. Agreed. Agreed. I was uh, recording a podcast episode with, interestingly, a scientist who, an American scientist who moved to Europe. And usually it's the opposite. People come from Europe to move, moving to the U.S. But this person was mentioning that um, she took on a project about beta restins and a postdoc had worked on it previously. And after a couple of months of working, she decided, you know what, something is wrong. I'm going to resequence the plasmid. And there was a stop code on where there shouldn't be. And now that I'm, that I'm talking to you, I wish that, you know, at that time, Adjean would have had the plasmid and then it would have been entirely sequenced and uh, the stop codon would have been at the right position. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen to me too. Just a, a GFP, luckily it was a very easy marker, just got a random yeah. stop, you know, stop codon in the middle. So it happens. It does. So Mike, what's what's your take on on... Why, why you picked that, Jane? You mentioned that you met Joanne at an ESCB meeting. I did. But- yeah. And, and, you know, her, her passion, I think, is what stood out to me initially. Um, just number one, having access to the executive director of an organization, I think, is something that, that stood out as well. I mean, how, how many organizations send their executive directors out into the world to <laughs> communicate with students and, and postdocs, you know, and so just meeting her face to face was impressionable. Um, and her clear passion for what she did, for what Adjean did and, and stood for, um, really made a mark on me. And so I kept in touch with her. And, you know, the opportunity to potentially join the quality control team um, arose um, fortuitously at the same, right about around the same time I was looking to graduate. And that worked out. And I ended up joining Adgene in 2015 as a QC scientist. And mm-hmm. I loved it um, and quickly learned, just like Nyla and Jason, just how genuine of a group this really is. Um, being a mission-driven organization really does mean something. I mean, it means something externally, you know, about the work that we do and why we do it. But it also means that internally, we value people. We value each and every employee um, at the company, and we really go above and beyond to help people get to where they they really want to be. And we really, really try to make work fun. Um, shining example of that is we literally have a fun committee whose job it is to meet once a month to figure out how to make people happy at the organization. And that's just who we are, you know, and I think beyond that, I mean, I, I could talk all day about the fun and the cultural aspects, but th- there's another aspect about Adgene that has kept me here for over five years. And that was the the revelation that I don't have to to be at a bench to to do science um, and, and to really, you know, explore that natural interest in science that I've always had. You know, I, I came to work for the company as a QC scientist, which meant I was at a, a computer doing science. And I learned that I actually loved analyzing DNA sequences and learning more about different technologies. Um, joining the SCI support team now means that I interact with researchers literally all over the world and help them accelerate their research without having to, to run the experiments myself, which for me is a great thing. Um, and so beyond that, there's scientific communication, contributing to our educational resources, all things that are not in a wet lab that have motivated and driven me that I continue to be able to do. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Which leads me to my next question. How do your days look like at Adgene? Anyone? And how do you interact with each other? 
Yeah, so I actually started, I've only started in uh, the end of August of last year. So I've actually never met Mike and Nyla in person <laughs> <laughs> or almost so any true. of the team. <laughs> um, so my daily interaction, my daily life is a little bit, um, it, it starts with kind of answering customer emails, trying to help them through some troubles that they may have. Um, and then the middle part of my day is usually spent trying to, we're building, um, we have an AAV data hub. So Adeno Associated Viruses are uh, an initiative that we started about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we want to do is share other people's experience with these because they can be kind of tricky to work with. Um, so we're trying to build out as much data information as we can and supply that to our customers and to you know whoever else wants to look at our website so they can use these tools more effectively, spend less time trying to troubleshoot things or trying to figure out which one's going to work best in their system and get right to doing the hard science that they need to do. That sounds exciting. And yet you're not at the bench with during the day when you do this, which is super awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, even though like the majority of the day is answering emails, what goes into each email can be pretty unique. Sometimes it's a quick like, hey, I'm starting out a CRISPR experiment and I'm just looking for resources or like, I, I read this, but I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? Offering some of that, you know, uh, basic understanding to yeah. scientists who are starting out versus really advanced questions like, um, you know, I'm looking to do this cloning experiment. Although we don't really offer cloning expertise, sometimes they're looking for like, you know, maybe they aren't familiar with multi-systronic vectors. So you're explaining on a much like higher level to someone. Um, you know, with m- more advanced research, like, you know, you should consider looking at these articles and these resources to get started. And then the one of the other common questions, you know, is I ordered something, I ran a digest and it doesn't look right. What's going on? Um, so we actually get to, it's, it's so nice. We get to, um, we, we have, you know, uh, other teams in the lab where we can click a button, make the, design the, you know, digest experience, experiment or like sequencing reaction we want. Someone in the lab does it. They're absolutely fantastic always working hard and like you know i I trust their hands i trust their eyes like they they do really great work and then i just get to look at the data (laughs) so i click (laughs) a button i get the data and then i get to have the fun of analyzing it figuring out what the problem is and then figuring out how to troubleshoot it so so i get to do get to do experience but i don't have to do the pipetting so Absolutely. Yeah. Um, similar to, to Jason and Nyla, you know, um, a good amount of scientific support um, makes up a portion of my day. You know, um, like, like they explained, um, basically working with researchers using our products, anything from helping them to find resources in our repository that might be useful in their own studies to explaining more about how a various resource might be used experimentally. Um, to more rarely troubleshooting any issues they may have encountered um, in, in working with those reagents and quickly resolving them. So the, the human interaction is really nice. Um, beyond that, um, I and members of my team help with quality control. So every new deposit that comes into our repository, every single plasmid is validated in full by NGS. Um, and we thoroughly analyze those results to make sure plasmids are what they're supposed to be before we make them available for distribution. Um, And we're almost up to 100,000 plasmids online, by the way. So cool stat. Um, And, you know, moving away from the the support and the QC, uh, two more things that that we do a lot of, you know, scientific communication, I kind of touched on in my my last response. Um, We we really contribute a lot to AdGene's educational resources, things like blogs, video protocols, helping scientists learn how to do various aspects of of their work um, as efficiently and as well as possible is something that we're passionate about. Um, And, you know, personally, um, since I've, I've taken on a management role, one thing I've really gained an appreciation for is just how many meetings managers are in <laughs> and just how, 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 you know, how much you have to communicate with other teams at your organization. And so that is a, a significant portion of my day to day is cross team communication and thinking about um, future projects or talking about projects we're already working on and how are they going? How can we improve things? Um, so more strategic type thinking. Oh, that's that's amazing. What uh, what type of teams you communicate with? The way the way I see it, so you're about a hundred people at Adgene. 
I, I see you all in, in different little circles and each circle has a number of, of people in there, but in within your, you know, through your lessons, you're right. What circles do you usually communicate with? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Our team's kind of unique. And one of the things I love about it is that we get to interact with so many teams. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned the lab team earlier. We work yeah. with them for troubleshooting specific um, plasmids. And mm -hmm. we, we also communicate with um, the depositors, like the PI who says, like, I want to distribute my plasmid with you guys um, and coordinating, you know, that arriving and getting to the lab. And if there are any issues with that plasmid while they're trying to transform it or something if maybe there's something odd about it or it needs something unique going back to the depositors and like talking with them about that um and you know jason actually has a very unique role between a couple couple different teams you want to take that yeah so i i you know i think i interact with almost everybody now <laughs> um, because i'm kind of like an intermediate between an outreach scientist and a, and a support scientist um I, I interact with our with our viral production team regularly i interact with um, our strategy teams is terms of like what viruses are we going to produce in the future and kind of how do we strategize our production limitations with the demands for um, what viruses are out there. Um, we recently started a, a new a new service for helping customers. So a lot of customers have like experimental questions on how to use their viruses. Mm -hmm. So we're now doing one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls to help people specifically with experiments. So it may, it may go outside of what you know, quality control that we normally do, but it's amazing to be able to interact with, you know, I think next week I'll talk to somebody from my seventh different country since we launched it in February, which is just amazing, you know, to be on, you know, face to face with scientists from literally all over the world. Yeah. And then um, the marketing and communication teams does a lot of the outreach and educational work yeah. that we were talking about. So those resources and um, sometimes helping them answer questions that come in on Twitter. Um, and recently, like I was working with um, the sort of uh, one of the outreach teams that works with um, distributors in other countries to help answer like scientific questions uh, that, that way. That's that's so fascinating. I think you you are all th all three of you are giving us an inside look into how AdGene actually works. Because from the outside, it seems, as I said, my experience was seamless, and you, I couldn't, I needn't even stop to think about all the strategy and all the logistics that are behind the services that you offer. Yeah. I suppose we also have our, <laughs> of course, quality control team and curation team. And the curation team yeah. does a lot with um, make, there's a couple of page, resource pages that like say I'm looking for a fluorescent protein and mm -hmm. it's very generic. Sometimes a search engine is hard because if you type in GFP, you'll get a million things. Um, but they have like very nice curated pages for like certain topics or certain pathways on our website mm -hmm. too. So yeah, I think I got them all. Am I missing any mics? You know, for for me, um, I don't think anybody's <laughs> mentioned our legal team yet. Oh, yeah. And, you know, th th this was something new for me when I came to work for Adgene is coming to appreciate the fact that there is a whole legal side to transferring materials and plasmids in this case is the main material. And so, you know, every deposit comes with legal paperwork, every order and plasmid that we ship comes with a with its own material transfer agreement. And yeah. sometimes I have questions about that side of things and being mm -hmm. able to talk with lawyers um, on a weekly basis is kind of cool. It's something that I, I never got to do in graduate school. <laughs> it's like you're a, you're a, you're part of the the series suits. You have all your little lawyers. <laughs> oh, yep. and of course the the actual customer support team that helps with like orders and some of the mm -hmm. other like processing that way. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, so you're you're really um, able to to communicate with so many different people at so many levels within the company, which is which is fantastic. You never feel isolated, although uh, we've been socially distant for quite some time now. Yes, very true. So that that gets me to my next question. You were mentioning helping scientists uh, deposit their samples. Uh, can one of you or the, each of you walk us through how does that work? Let's say I'm a scientist. I, well, I am a scientist, but I don't have any DNA samples to deposit, but I want to deposit a sample. What do I do? <laughs> and how, how do you facilitate that? Yeah, I, I can go ahead and take this. Um, so, for example, in my PhD, I made you know, a, some new construct. It was like an optogenetic 
protein fused to luciferase. I'm still trying to convince my professor to deposit it without gene. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that is a shout out there. <laughs> it, carefully trying trying to see like okay so i might actually need to do this process uh what do i need to do um so basically you know we have an online document that you fill out all the information about the plasmid the Mm. plasmid sequence all the other like little pieces about it um and it gets sent to us once it gets to us we have our legal and curation team check it to make sure that um for example something like some luciferases have licensing agreements or are patented by certain companies um so some of those we can accept some of those we can accept with exceptions and some of those we actually can accept um so first it goes through that barrier of are we allowed to distribute this to you know nonprofit and like other academic institutions um then the you know tech transfer team works with uh sharing the material between the university um, so like even though the material is going to us anytime we distribute it the mta is actually between the two organizations that you know uh, it's being transferred to so that's an interesting uh thing there um so once that's all in our shipping team who we also interact with um sends you a nice little deposit kit saying hey this is what you need to do to prepare your sample. We accept, you know, we, we'd like it as, you know, DNA or sometimes bacterial streaks out, streaked out on the auger plate. And you get a little kit, label it, barcode it uh, with, you know, prepaid shipping materials. It's completely free to deposit. We try to make it easy as possible. And it gets, you know, shipped to us where the lab team can then take it. Um, we transform it in whichever, you know, bacterial, we, we have a couple bacterial strains that we use. Um, and grow it, make our glycerol stocks, make a backup glycerol stock, make a backup backup glycerol stock that's stored, you know, in a like a super was it like liquid nitrogen freezer offsite just in case anything ever happens. Like that's our you know our super backup. Um, and then our quality control team uh, does next generation sequencing on it, which we've brought in house recently, which is a been an exciting initiative. We get the data analyze it <laughs> finally uh if there are any problems we go back to the depositor ask them hey we saw this mutation did you know about this um should we get a replacement is this fine and sometimes it's oh i made a mistake typing my sequence or oh that's terrible let me send you a new one mm-hmm. um, and then finally once that mta paperwork's agree finished the sequencing is fine um that goes online you have the sequence displayed all the information that you entered initially trying to deposit that plasmid mm-hmm. and now it's available. So that's, that's great. It's uh sounds like an easy peasy, simple enough for the, for the scientists that deposit the sample, but there's a lot of work that goes on up until from the moment they, they contact you to the moment they actually, the, the material goes up online. And yes, I do remember that Joanne has mentioned that you triple, um, have yeah. triple of everything i love i love that because you're right anything happens you do have a, a backup and a backup of a backup as well so yeah um the other uh, this this is really cool I'm, I'm looking at the other questions we had we had pulled together and i think we kind of explained or gone through the the one of the questions i had for you is how do you support the customers which is a lot of you know email support and then jason you mentioned that you have zoom meetings as well with customers um anything else extra that you you do on an everyday basis on a regular basis to support customers that we haven't discussed yet yeah so we we, we do offer a mix of uh, what we've historically called technical and more currently scientific support um mm-hmm. And as Nyla mentioned previously, there is also um, more general customer-based support because as part of the, the plasmid acquisition process, you know, you one may or may not have a question of a scientific nature. So depending upon the, the nature of the question, um, we do have a main phone line that one can call and, you know, a phone tree where you can choose the appropriate team that you may wish to speak to. So we, mm-hmm. we offer that option as well. Um, or if you prefer email as a customer, you can shoot a general email to a very easy to remember address, help at adgene.org. And we will triage that email and get you mm-hmm. over to the most appropriate team who can who can quickly assist you. Um, Jason, I, I definitely want to shout him out for piloting 
you know, kind of a new way of offering science support, the Zoom based office hours. This is this is new for AdGene and not something that we've we've tried in the past and um, seems to be working well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but so far so good with that. Yeah, yeah, we've had you know, we, we just started this this service um, in February. And I think we've had appointments every week since we launched it. And it's been kind of a soft launch. We haven't advertised other than you know, we do a Twitter feed. We, we tweet once mm-hmm. a week. And then I, I let people know about it through some of our help desks as we're trying to get, you know, understand the, the machinations between how we contact customers and keep track of things. Um, but it's been really exciting because, um, you know, working with viruses, in, in the brain tends to be tricky. And one virus may work great with neuron A, but it may not work well with neuron B. Yeah. And we get a lot of questions about this. And so, you know, just being able to, to lend the experience that I've had working with these viruses and talk to customers and just kind of help them as best that we can through that. It's just, it's one really rewarding. And two, I find, I think the customers find it really like a really nice way to kind of get over some humps at times. It sounds like a, a really great initiative. And especially, I do you think, well, my, my guess the answer is yes to this, but I'm still going to ask it. Do you think it's something more is going, that is going to stay on as an initiative, as a, you know, a, a staple of AdGene's scientific support in the future once we go back at some point to the office? I hope so, yeah. I, I think it will. I mean, the, the, whenever something like this gets launched, you never know exactly how it's going to be received. Um, you know, initially, I wasn't, when I first, put out some emails. I didn't really get any response. I launched it at a at a SFN meeting, Society for Neuroscience meeting, and we weren't getting initial responses. But then as soon as like the calendar actually got up and people started like hearing about a little bit more about it, it just kept rolling. So I, I hope so. I'm pretty sure it will. I'm pretty sure it will. I think it's a, it's a very unique approach. It's a very personalized approach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, what what a cool way to to stay connected to to your customers, because at the end of the day, you may help someone on day one, but then at you know a couple of years down the line, they've produced materials that they'll be happy to give back to AdGene for distribution, based on the on the discussion that you had. So I think it's a nice way to give and also receive. Yeah, I think building relationships is the most rewarding part of that. It's just, it's just great to talk to people yeah. and hear about their science. Yeah, especially that, uh, which I also didn't know, that AdGene is international and you have distribution centers all around the world. And that also, you know, uh, feeds into into your ability to talk to people from all around the world without having to travel. Yeah, I think we just shipped to our 106th company, uh, country this, this past week. Wow, that's phenomenal. Um, so as... Well, you know, but the audience also knows that Agit is a not-for-profit company. Uh, what does it mean to you to work for a nonprofit? Um, for me, I really like that. You know, um, very often things become a balance of time or money. Um, here, I can actually just make you know quality as a focus, uh, and I think that's so important for science. Um, as you know, like even if one little thing is off, your entire experiment can give you, you know, so something different. Um, so the fact that we can really focus on quality without having to worry about the burden of, you know, a bottom line or something um, makes it really, you know, uh, it makes it very rewarding. It, um, <laughs> I don't know, I, I just really like it and it's where my own values lie. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I second those uh, feelings and I think the, the, the nonprofit aspect has at least two major perks for me. Um, and one we've talked about previously in that being mission driven really, I think is core to our culture and results in a company culture that is very employee and personal or person focused. Um, and so that, that matters a lot because ultimately it means we're happy at work. <laughs> and, and that, that means so much coming from, you know, particularly in my case, a training program where I, I wasn't very happy at work um, a lot of the time. And so being able to work for an organization now where happiness is the norm uh, means a whole lot to me. And, you know, the, the second aspect of this is the accessibility um, aspect where core to our mission is improving access to useful research tools. And being a nonprofit means 
we provide research tools at much lower costs than one might be able to find them uh, elsewhere. And so by providing them at that much lower cost, that's how we improve accessibility and make sure that more people can do the science they need to do. With, with the materials that, with the, with the best starting materials that, you yes. know, are controlled for. Yeah, I think it also allows us, like, you know, one of our main missions is to be open. And, you know, as a nonprofit, you know, we, we don't develop a lot of the vectors that, you know, we don't develop any of the vectors that we that we distribute. Um, you know, they come from academic labs who have worked hard on them. And we're able to be completely open with everything that we know about them, which I think is is really a, a great resource, both, you know, as a as a company and somebody to work for a company, but also just for the scientific community in general, it's just really, you know, there's, you want to know something about one of our plasmids? Here's the sequence. You want to see what QC we did? Here it is. Take it. You know, we're, we try to be as open as we possibly can. Yeah. And I think that that definitely contributes to democratizing science mm -hmm. and uh, reproducibility. We, we talked about this with Joanne and that's, that's a big, big issue. And I think, other than democratizing science, um, Agin also helps in making sure that reproducibility is is something that we're aware of, but also contributes towards making uh, allowing that to happen with great starting materials. So this would not be this is a Dr. GPCR podcast, so I have to ask a GPCR focused question. Uh, can it tell us please a little bit about the um, products that Agene has to offer to GPCR scientists? Um, yeah, I think Jason and I can definitely weigh in on this. Um, obviously, there are too many to name because every single GPCR, you know, <laughs> there, there's just a ton of plasmids out there. Um, and so, of course, there are, you know, GPCRs, GPCRs with tags, truncated versions of GPCRs, you know, all throughout, like, these individual plasmids that, you know, GPCR labs have donated to us and, like, mm -hmm. wanted to share. Um, but, like, there are also some really big, um, you know, interesting collections that have come through. Like, for example, mm -hmm. I'll just um, highlight the Brian Roth lab. They've, they've yep. been very, very forward and, like, you know, openly sharing their materials. And so there, there's one like the Presto Tango GPCR um, collection, which is basically like a beta recruitment assay linked with a luciferase reporter. Um, and it's been made so that you can screen like the druggable human GPCR ohm. Um, and then they also have like the True Path collection, which is yeah. a series of Brett biosensors. Um, you know, it's an assay for G proteins. Um, and so, like, it helps you identify those subunits. So it, it just kind of gets to that, like, yes, there are GPCRs, but there are also all these unique tools related to the GPCR field. And th that's one of the things I really liked about studying GPCRs is all of the tools <laughs> and things that have come that, that are linked to it. For example, I mentioned I was doing optogenetics and chemogenetics. Um, so we have entire pages of biosensors, optogenetics, chemogenetics uh, that are don't have GPCR in the title, but are all related to the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you also I went through through the uh, through the different plasmids that you have, and they're they're not only receptors, but they're also G proteins, beta restins, anything you can think of. There's uh, there's other labs also, but I think Brian Ross Lab is as one of the big contributors to to Agin. And it's interesting you mentioned it because I think just a couple of days ago Brian had posted on Twitter that they've reached over. I think 10,000 uh, distribute a huge number of, <laughs> yeah. of people who actually requested their plasmids. And uh, I think that the number that stood out and I can't remember what it stood for was 666. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 666. And, and then I thought it was, you know, that's the, the thing Funny. that struck me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe number of reagents. I'm not sure. I think I so. Exactly I think it was many, the number yeah. I think it yeah. was the number of reagents that they had submitted to AdGene and the 10,000 was the number of times any of those reagents were distributed. That could be it. I'd have to confirm, but that could be it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll actually touch on that a little bit later, if you don't mind, but I'll let, I'll let Jason answer. Yeah. I don't, but 
the things that I'm most interested in, you know, as a neuroscientist are some of these GPCR-based biosensors uh, that we have available both in plasmid and in, in viral vector form. And so the, these are vectors that um, sense different molecules like neurotransmitters such as glutamate or norepinephrine or dopamine. And they're basically a, a GPCR that's fused with a, a GFP that has a conformational change. So you get increases in fluorescence based upon the concentration of your, of your, um, of your ligand, which I think are just absolutely amazing. And I wish when I was in grad school, these things were available because it would have really sped up my, my dissertation. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have a ton of tools, um, but for GPCR scientists who want to deposit, since you mentioned, you know, the number of plasmids that the Ross lab was, um, yeah. bring, um you know, distributing for a bit. Um, so when you distribute with us, we or like start depositing with AdGene, we also send you monthly emails saying how many times your plasmid was deposited. And so while you know in the beginning that's you know certainly motivational, be like yeah my my the stuff that I'm making in my small lab is you know being spread across the world. It has like a list of countries. You get bragging rights, right? Um, but what we've seen, especially in the last couple of years, is, is like. Um, you know, some researchers have started adding that number into their grants, showing that the work that they're doing is having an impact out. And this is a nice quantifiable way to show that, like, I'm contributing to science. And this is why I deserve a grant, because I'm helping the larger community. And it's not just my one paper, my one lab. That's fantastic. You touched on a very in- important and interesting point. And it's something I'd, I think it's it's really valuable to put out there. And it also, as you said, it shows how many people are not only reading your paper, but they're actually willing and able to test and use your materials as a scientist and validate your, your research. And it, it touches on, on, on reproducibility, but also on, on popularity, let's say, of, of, uh, of your work, which is fantastic. That's a nice way, actually, to... Uh, to put it in in a grant application and say you know ten thousand people or ten thousand requests for six hundred and sixty six classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 is fantastic. Um, so you're you're all from different backgrounds. You're you love it at AdGene, but I have to ask, where do you see yourselves in five years? And it's not an. It's a, <laughs> no, it sounds like an. It sounds like an interview question, but not necessarily as where. Uh, where will you be working in five years? But uh, you mentioned, uh, Mike, that you know, Adjean puts a lot of effort into developing pe- people and their careers and and get them evolved during even during their time at Adjean. Where would you like to be in five years? Yeah, I think that this is such a difficult question, and it, it is. It's you, you know, it really is because it's it it really forces you to think. What makes me tick? What makes me happy? And honestly, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to be doing in two months, let alone five years. <laughs> but but if I if I had to to think about it and answer it, um, as you said, Adgene puts such a strong emphasis on professional development and. One of the things that I've enjoyed so much about my role in the last 18 months is developing my manager's toolbox. I love working with people. I've always loved working with people. I love how um, being involved with a team at an organization like Agene just forces me to communicate and work with so many people with such diverse backgrounds. And I've loved kind of organizing a team. I love um, um, helping people do their work to the best of their ability and manage their own projects. So in five years, I hope to be a more seasoned, effective manager. Um, I would love the opportunity to work with more and more diverse um, groups of individuals. You know, maybe an expanding team um, is one thing that I can foresee. You know, with Adjean's distribution numbers on the rise and business um, going very well, thank God. Um, I would love to see our team grow, and I, I would love to continue to help develop those team members. Um, yeah. Thank you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I'll follow up. Uh, I might have a bit of a cop-out answer because I'd love to still be working at Adjean. Um, like, uh, there's a lot of cool initiatives that are kind of on the horizon that I think are really – I think they're big. I think they're really important, and I think they'll make some very impactful changes. 
Um, but if not at Adgene, you know, what do I like about my current job that I want to continue doing? Uh, I really love helping people. It's just been a genuine driving factor throughout everything. And I'm very curious. Like, um, the reason I became a scientist is because, you know, it's, you know, uh, that, that driving curiosity. Um, so a place where I can obviously take advantage of both. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be at the bench, which is what I've learned. I very much enjoyed, um, you know, being able to do it through this way. I love, I actually really like the sort of technical support area because it has that bridge of quality control versus like working with other researchers and, um, you know, talking with them, helping them troubleshoot. So it's definitely like, I definitely want to be in a very similar area to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Super. Jason, you're the last, but not least. Yeah. So one of the things that I found is something that always has driven me with, with science and in my career is that one, I, I love figuring out how to solve problems and I love talking to people about those types of things. And so I think in five years, you know, either here at Agene, I'd like to find new and innovative ways to kind of talk to more people, help more people with their science and their experiments. I don't want to do any more of my own bench work, but I would love to be able to like just continue to help other people do that and you know, maybe find an innovative way to, uh, to communicate better or to help people in, in a way that I, I don't know of at this point in time. But definitely, ha I have to be talking with more people constantly. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I think in one way, this is what we're doing. We're trying to, you know, I'm introducing you to 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 the audience. But at the same time, we're talking about ad gene and we're also talking about career trajectories. And um, that, that takes me to my next question. What would be your advice for scientists who aspire to make science more reproducible and also aspire to, to find their path? Get out of your lab. If you are a student <laughs> or postdoc, <laughs> to do anything in your power to zoom out a little bit and pull yourself out of the, the work that you're currently doing and talk to people. I mean, you can even start with the people you're surrounded by every day because something that I came to learn later on in my own um, graduate career was that even though we're all, you know, kind of at the same organization doing graduate work or, or what have you, we, we're not all going to be doing the same thing a few years down the road. We all have different interests and we're all using different strategies to realize those interests. We just don't talk about it. It's very rare that that you have like a, a discussion about careers or career paths with your immediate coworkers, you know, and that needs to be more normalized, I think. So look for any opportunity you can to open a discussion like that, even with the people that are really close to you every day, and then expand from there. Go to conferences, networking events, get online, you know, um, social media communities like Twitter can be great for this. Um, just talk and meet as many people as you can. It's probably the most important thing in my view. Agreed. Agreed. I think it's uh, it's very important to to go out there and get get out of your your bubble because I think when when you're working in the lab, you can very easily get lost in the details and uh, focus on what's not working and trying to solve it. But I think taking a break and talking to people and getting to learn what others are doing is beneficial not only for you but for the other person or the other people you meet and at the at the same time it opens your horizon but it also gives you your brain time to solve any problems that you might have left at the bench yeah for me in grad school i was very lucky that the shout out to the university of pittsburgh for having a really good like um a lot of career development series um and a mm -hmm. lot of it was just sort of organized and run by the student group associations nice. so i'd say like take a look at your university chances are there are already things in place with like you know alternative careers in science seminars or things like that and if there's not make one um you'd be surprised how receptive people are to a graduate student request hey would you mind giving a you know seminar at our, our you know, at our university and telling us about your career. Um, a lot of people really like to talk about their career. Um, so setting up things like that gives you very, um, like, it's not just like you're going to a networking event and seeing who's there and, you know, you, uh, one person could talk to a bunch of different people today, but have no lasting connections. Whereas if you organize a seminar, invited a speaker, like you're getting much more direct networking experience. 
Um, you're also bringing in exactly the sort of things that you want to learn about more. Uh, and it also helps, you know, the community that you're working with. That's fantastic advice, Nyla. I love that. I love that. We actually had Joanne come for our Women in Medicine and Science Association. Um, and, you know, like that, that was a very, very obviously worked out pretty well because I became, you know, that was my introduction to add Gene from yeah. beyond the screen. So, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Jason, you look like you wanted to add something. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think about that I never did as a grad student or, or a postdoc is, you know, I was always so focused on my science and like, what's the next thing I need to solve? And uh, yeah. the minutia that you get into, it's stopping to take a minute to think about, well, what is it that I like about this? And what is it that I can do that I'm going to continue to like about this? And if, yeah. if it's an academic path, well, what happens when you're actually not at the bench anymore and you're an actual professor? How much work are you doing? How much grant writing are you doing? How much paper writing are you doing? Yeah. Um, and, and really evaluating, is that the lifestyle you want? Do you want to interact with more people? Do you want to have, um, you know, really understanding yourself, I think. And then getting out there, like Michael said, talk to a bunch of different people. Go to like your tech transfer office and talk about what goes on behind the science or go to, you know, a different department like the legal department and, and say, hey, what, what do you guys do with biotech or PhDs or patent offices? There, there's a lot of things that if the way that the academic system is set up now, you know academia, and the professors you work with know academia. Um, and the only thing that they can say is that you could go into industry and you're just going to keep doing the same pigeonhole thing time and time again, which isn't necessarily true because, you know, they don't have that experience yet. And people in industry have that industry experience and academic experience, but there's also this whole swath of information or swaths of career paths that are a little bit more obscure or not known about, but can also be like incredibly rewarding, like science writing or doing science communications or yep. uh, science policy. Um, and yep. we, there's just no structured way to learn about those things. So get out there and talk to more people. Agreed. But you can even, please go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I was going to add to that and just say, you know, we, I, I think it's normal to think about this in the context of, you know, graduate students and postdocs mostly, but I think a really important point here, and again, something I've come to learn at Agene is one can do this at any point in one's career, right? It's yeah. never too late to, to talk to more people or to expand one's network and, and start doing things like this. So it doesn't matter at, you know, what point you're at, it, it's okay to start. <laughs> Exactly. And I think it's not, not, you touch on a very important point. I think all of you do. It's, it's okay to start, even if you feel like, oh, it's late. I, you don't tell yourself I should have started yesterday. There's no time like the present. And it's not a finite uh, thing that you have to do. I think it's, it's think of it as a marathon. It's not a sprint because you never know who you're going to meet. And I think uh, Nyla and Mike, you both met Joanne, and that's the connection that you formed. Yeah, also and Jason too. Yeah. See, all of you, and that's how you came to know uh, Adjean. And that's an important point that you always have to be open to meeting new people. You always have to be people facing. You never know. It's a small world. And an, an, an introduction, you know, a 15-minute chat could lead to your next opportunity or it could lead to a connection that then at some point could lead to the next opportunity or you can even yes. get to help someone. So I think it's it's an important, it's a marathon, basically. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as a hike. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden there'll be a new trail you didn't even know existed. <laughs> and you just take a little, devi little deviation and maybe it brings you back to the same trail and maybe it won't. You just don't know. <laughs> I love that. I, lo I love that image, you know, a hike in the, in, in the forest. And then, uh, you know, you never know where you're, you're going to end up. Super. And on this note, I think I want to, well, I, not, I think I know, I want to thank all three of you for being here today. Uh, I had a lot of fun chatting with you and um, people can find most of you on LinkedIn. Actually, all three of you on LinkedIn um, and also on Twitter. I know Jason and Mike, you're, you're on Twitter. Um, I invite everyone in the audience, if you want to reach out to Adgene at adgene.org or to Jason and Nyla and Michael, just uh, look them up. And our website will have your contact information and your uh, link to your LinkedIn profiles. And with this, I'd like to thank all three of you for joining us today.
Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. This is great. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Of right. course. Of course. Talk to you soon. Take Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this Dr. GPCR podcast episode. I'd like to thank our guest, as well as our team members, Attila Forrest, Shivani Sajdev, Alexa Duran, and Ines Pinero. We look forward to seeing you live at the Dr. GPCR Summit in September. Don't forget to visit drgpcr.com summit. Please subscribe to the Dr. GPCR newsletter, find us on YouTube, and if you like our podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. You can also leave us testimonials at drgpcr.com testimonials. Another way to support us is to share your favorite Dr. GPCR program with your network and colleagues. Email us with any questions or suggestions at hello at drgpcr.com. Until next time, stay safe. Mm-hmm.